0: I'm Emily, and this is 6 Feet of Science, the kids' science podcast that is powered by your curious questions that just can't wait until school is back in session. Every episode, expert explainers tackle the questions that you call in. So for the first question of our episode today... We are moving away from talking about bugs and germs and viruses, and we're talking about concepts that are much farther away than six feet. We are talking about stuff that's in the sky. Our first question comes from Preston. He wants to know about the stars. Hi,
1: my name is Preston, and I have a science question today. My science question is, Where do stars come from? So I've brought in a
0: friend, Gary Ruderman. He is a retired high school science teacher from Anita, Iowa. And before he was a high school teacher, he worked with a team of astronomers to actually map the universe. Hi, Gary. Hi, Emily. Thanks for getting on the phone to answer Preston's question.
2: Preston, that's a great question, but we can't answer that sitting here on Earth. So Emily, if it's okay with you, Can we travel out in space?
0: I would love to leave my house at this point. So sure, let's go to outer space.
2: All right, let's go 1,300 light years. Now that's how far light moves in one year. So we're going 1,300 light years away to a bunch of stars that when you look at them, it kind of looks like a hunter. And that's the constellation we call Orion, and it is it does kind of look like a hunter, and the neat thing about Orion is it has a stellar nursery that 's where stars are born, and you can see that with the bear with just your regular eyes so let 's look up there right now, and you can see a smudge, and that little smudge is where stars are born
0: so you 're saying that I could actually look up at the sky at nighttime. And, and I would see kind of a, a, a smear across the sky, and that is a, a stellar nursery, the, a place where baby stars are born. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yes, I am, and you can see wow. it. Wow. Now, inside that stellar nursery is a lot of dust and gas. Now, the dust starts to clump together. Wow gets spinning and clumps together and it gets larger and larger and larger. And it starts to get its own gravity. Now remember that gravity is that force that holds two things together. And the bigger that clump gets, the more dust it pulls in till it gets really large and that large clump gets hot and starts spinning and it produces a gas called hydrogen and as that clump gets larger and larger and larger and hotter and hotter that gas hydrogen produces another gas helium the same gas we put in balloons so we've got this burning clump and we call that a star
0: and, and so, the hydrogen creates helium just because it gets hotter? Yes. And what is making it get hotter?
2: More gravity is pulling more dust in, and it starts spinning. And hydrogen starts to break up and cause helium. And that break up causes the heat.
0: Oh, okay. So it's the breaking up that causes the heat, and then the heat causes the helium. So it's the helium and hydrogen together that's the star.
2: The helium and the hydrogen are the burning star and the star is literally on fire. And that's why we say twinkle, twinkle, little star, because the star is twinkling in the sky from all the heat that's being, it's fire.
0: So. The, this, so these stellar nurseries, is this only in the constellation of Orion, or do we find these in other places in the universe, too?
2: Yes. Uh, space and the universe is filled with stellar nurseries. But the one in Orion, we have the best picture of from the Hubble spacecraft, which was the telescope we sent up to take a look at stellar nurseries and other beautiful things. In the universe. The idea or the concept today is that we have stars that blow up and they throw their stardust into certain areas. So in Orion, you have stars that uh, use gravitational force or gravity to pull in all this dust and it's held in and around Orion. So when a star blows up, It leaves all this dust and all this gas, and we have areas all over the sky and all over space, but the one in Orion is the one that we know the best and the one we can see the best.
0: Okay, so it seems like we know a lot about Orion. Can you tell me some more about that constellation?
2: Sure. Uh, Unfortunately, we can't see it right now. It's November through February. But in Orion, there's a super red giant star about 600 to 700 times larger than our sun, which is our star. And this star is called Betelgeuse. And it is so huge that it could go, it could blow up what we call a supernova. And that's what's astronomers are looking at today.
0: Okay, so now we know that a star is burning helium and hydrogen together. Right. So are there different kinds of stars or are they all just kind of a star is a star is a star?
2: Oh no, Emily. Preston, there are a lot of different kinds of stars. Uh, The sun, our star, which is only 93 million miles away, Is it called a yellow dwarf star, which means it's not very big as when you look at it and it really is a white star, not yellow. It's yellow because the light scatters and that kind of gives us a different color. There's the red super giant stars like Betelgeuse. Now these red giant stars are really hot and really big, but they don't live very long. And then there's what are called brown dwarf stars. Now, these stars really never caught on fire. So they're just kind of warm, and they're very hard to see because they're dark.
0: So the brown dwarf star, I I thought that you said that a star was burning hydrogen and helium together, but then you said a dwarf star never caught on fire, so is it a real star?
2: It is a real star because at one time it did have hydrogen and helium, but it didn't have enough to become the twinkling star that we know.
0: Can you see those from the ground?
2: No, you can't. You can barely see them from telescopes.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, so Gary, you're saying all of this gas is happening? Now, when you say gas, is that like gasoline that we get at the gas station and our parents or people and we put into our cars?
2: No, it's not an abbreviation for gasoline. Gas is a combination of different atoms And it's not something we can hold because it doesn't have a shape, but it can be attracted gravitationally. Gravity can pull in gas. So we have gas like hydrogen, which is part of water. We have gas like helium, you know, just look inside or just pretend you're inside a balloon and it's filled with helium gas. And where does the balloon go? straight up because it's lighter than air
0: is there anything else that you wanted to share with us about the stars well
2: you know our star the sun it takes eight and a half minutes for the light to get from the sun to us but when you talk about the closest star that's four almost four and a half light years away from us and it's not very easy to see. And when you wish upon a star at night and you see the first light, you're not really seeing a star, are you? You're seeing the planet Venus. But your uh, hopes will still come true.
0: <laughs> so even though when we usually, we look up at the night sky, the first bright thing that we see up there, it's, it's not a star, it's the planet Venus. That's all right. Our, our wishes yes. might still come true.
2: Yes, they will.
0: <laughs> Is there anything else that you'd like to leave our listeners with related to stars or science or not uh, in this time of social distancing?
2: Well, just remember that I heard a quote once and I really like it. And it says, I do not fear the dark for the stars light my night.
0: Those are good words for this time.
2: Yep. Well, gee, I hope this helps Preston.
0: Yeah, I think so. It was a great description you gave, and we look forward to having you back on the show another time to talk about more about outer space and the universe.
2: Thanks, Emily.
0: Thanks. Bye, Gary. Well, all right, for our next question, we are going to be moving back down out of the constellations in the sky, back down here on Earth. We're going to be talking about the weather. So I've brought in a very special friend, Cheryl Glassford from the Omaha Children's Museum. She's a lead educator there, and you've heard her voice on this show every week from Kitchen ABCs. But of course, today, we're not talking about popcorn or pancakes. We're going to be talking about the weather. This question comes from Penny. Here's Penny's question, Cheryl. She wants to know, what is fog?
1: Good question, Penny. Did you know that fog is a cloud close to the ground? Okay,
0: wait a second, Cheryl. So uh, fog is just a cloud? close to the ground. That seems way too simple. I mean, okay, so what exactly is a cloud if we're talking science?
1: Well, a cloud is caused when water from lakes and oceans evaporate or change from a liquid into a gas. The water molecules start moving faster and spread out until they're released into the air. They're so small, we can't see them. The amount of molecules in the air is called humidity.
0: Huh. All right. So this sounds kind of like the water cycle that you're describing, right?
1: Exactly. So the water in the ocean or lake starts to evaporate, changes from a liquid into a gas, and then they go up into the air and... They start cooling off.
0: Because it's colder way, way, way up high, right?
1: It is. So colder air can't hold as much water vapor as the warmer air. So the uh, molecules start to condense on each other and turn into little droplets. Now these droplets are still very small, but you can actually see them. But they're light enough that they'll float in the air. And that's how you have a cloud. Okay,
0: so that's how a cloud happens way, way up in the sky because the water droplets need to condense because it's getting colder way, way so high up. And then that's what we call a cloud. But uh, I still don't understand how that could happen right down here on Earth, on the ground.
1: Well, in the evening. The land gets cooler, and because of that, it cools that air that's right next to it. So those droplets there close to the earth start to condense and form that little cloud, which is our fog.
0: Oh, okay. So in order to make a cloud or fog, we need that contrast, the difference between hot and cold. And so when we get a cloud, that's because there's a difference in temperature way down here on the ground versus way up in the sky where it's colder. But when we're talking about fog, that temperature difference is between the temperature, maybe during the day, if you've had a hot day, and then as it gets colder in the evening and nighttime, then that's the temperature difference that will make the molecules condense making fog.
1: Yes, you are right.
0: All right. So is that then why sometimes we have fog in the morning after a hot summer's day? It gets colder at night. The ground is colder. The molecules condense near the ground. And then we wake up in the morning in summertime, and sometimes there's fog out there.
1: Exactly. And then um, when the sun comes out, it starts to heat up the edges of that fog, and then that water will start to evaporate into the air again, and eventually the fog will be gone.
0: And that's how the fog is lifted. All right, cool, Cheryl. I like it. So if kids wanted to explore more about weather and fog and how it's made, um, do you guys have any resources at the Children's Museum of how they could do that?
1: We do um, weather science shows at our museum when it's open. Um, But right now... Um, on our Facebook page, we're going to do some experiments that have to do with the weather. We're going to do one that we're going to make a cloud in a bottle. It's a really cool experiment. And then we're going to make a fog on the ground using something that's super cold. We're going to use liquid nitrogen. So go on over to the Omaha Children's Museum Facebook page and see our weather experiment.
0: And guys, if you have never seen experiments with liquid nitrogen, you've got to check it out. That stuff is super cool. That's really great, Cheryl. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks, Emily. And we've loved having you for Kitchen ABCs, but we're glad that you are going to keep making some other videos, some weather videos and stuff like that for us throughout the summertime. But we really thank you so much for being part of our show.
1: It's been fun.
0: Is there anything else that you'd like to leave our kid listeners with today?
1: Yes, I just want everybody to know that you are a scientist. Anytime that you observe and ask questions, that you're a scientist. So keep on being a scientist.
0: Thank you so much, Cheryl. Talk to you later. Bye. I'm Emily and you've been listening to Six Feet of Science, a kids show in a time of social distancing where we take your questions that just can't wait until schools back. If you have a curious question that just can't wait, give me a call and leave a voicemail. The number is 531-299-9331. Grab a parent or an older sibling to help you make the call and leave the voicemail with your name, your question, And be sure to let us know if it's okay to use your name and your voice on the show. Oh, and if there's a special school teacher you want us to reach out to, you can let us know that too. This podcast is produced by Omaha Public Radio and features music from Colin Smith. And our theme music comes from the Culture House. That's culture with an X. We have links to those artists on our webpage, which you can find on kios.org. You can also find this podcast on all the major podcast platforms. Be sure to subscribe and leave us reviews on those platforms and check in with us next week for more of Six Feet of Science.